Welcome to Mutual Disdain, the podcast that wonders if we're speaking to the wrong audience. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And this time we're covering Chapter 13 of Netflix House of Cards. So, this is the last episode of the season. Uh, I felt like it was pretty good. What would you think? It was really good. It's got my blood up for uh, season two. Very dense episode. A lot, lot going on. And unlike a lot of the chapters when there's a lot going on, this time it felt like everything was feeding into the next scene. Like even uh, Except for Claire's story. But everything else was just, you know, the snake eating its own tail. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've had a lot of plans and scheming throughout the season, and they're kind of all coming to fruition here for Frank. And he is he he's desperately trying to make that happen, right? Uh, right. He, he arranges, like, a meeting with Tusk and a meeting with Birch kind of on the same day, and then leaks that information to the press very smartly. Um, I thought that was one of the cooler things of the episode. Um, yeah. I, I guess we can start, you know, with his storyline. Um, he's just basically this episode all about... Oh, wait. Before you get too far in, we've been pretty remiss about a very important piece of pimping. And that is uh, we have to give thanks to J.J. Reinhold, who provided our theme song for the entire season. It's called Playing the Game. And uh, you can find him on SoundCloud. And we've got a, uh, a link to... Uh, his theme at the bottom of every one of our news posts. So if you go to baldmove.com and click on any of our House of Cards podcasts, you will find the link to his work. So thank you for that, Mr. Reinhold. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and now you can get to what you want to say. Okay, so Frank. Frank is maneuvering to become the VP. Um, he knows from the talk that he had last time with Tusk that he is actually you know, the one who's going to be nominated here. I, I don't know why he's playing it so under the covers. You mean why they're continuing to play the charade that... Yes, that, but, that Tusk is the nominee. The president comes off like the 12-year-old kid that still believes in Santa Claus in this episode. He really does, yeah. I mean, it really makes him look like a fucking idiot. Um, uh, on, the other, on the other hand, Tusk looks like an invincible titan. Mm-hmm. Like, he's the, he's the exception that proves the rule about money and power. Because he's got so much money that he's converted it to power, kind of like matter and energy. It's it's yeah, the conversion rate is very high, but he's been able to get there. But what's interesting is by the end of the episode, I think Frank kind of maybe pushes back against that a little bit because he's like, I'm 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 the one thing I've got the legitimate power. You know, mm-hmm. you've bought off people and you've you fought off my advances, but you still can't buy me. And I'm the guy you need to, which, if Tusk already has the president, why does he need Francis again? Why does he need Frank? Uh, well, we, I, I mean, I don't having know. the president's better than the vice president. I feel like maybe Tusk has some plans that he doesn't want the vice, or doesn't want the president to know about. Mm. So maybe he's got to go through the VP. He's got it a has something black to do with ops. China and his mining operations, um. And then the trade between the two countries. Do you think it'll eventually involve clear the Clearwater Initiative? 
oh, that's interesting. Or uh, yeah, yeah, that that definitely could happen. They'll be called the light. They'll be called the light water reactor initiative by <laughs> midway through season no, no, no. two. They're much more literal than that. They'd be called like reactor fuel shipping incorporated. <laughs> or what is that? What was the name of that uh, element? Like Santorum sixty nine or something? Oh god, Samarium Samarium one forty nine initiative. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, I could definitely see that playing into it. You know how closely claire and frank are linked in their dealings right um i i do like however the scene this has been one of my favorite scenes since i saw this the first time around where frank and tusk are sitting in freddy's and frank tries i'm sorry tusk tries once again to get frank to sign this blank check and Mm -hmm. frank not only says i'm not going to sign that check but here's why because Mm -hmm. I, I have not made a reputation for myself by putting myself into servitude, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is valuable to you, you know? Right. Yeah, that's, and the, that's why he can't be that. bought. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that, that's one of my favorite scenes in the whole thing. Uh, right before that scene, outside of Freddy's, there's a scene with Remy, like, very quickly... And I guess and he says something about switching sides. So I guess Remy is now working for Tusk instead of Sandcorp, right? Yep. Which okay. I wonder if that's official or if that's uh, kind of under the the under the or under wraps as well. Because uh, Tusk mentions that he's going to by the end of this week own ten percent of Sandcorp. Ah, yeah, so yeah. Remy could very well still be working for Sandcorp, but now you know. T- Tusk is paying him off to be kind of his man. Uh-huh. So that that that's going to be interesting to see how those shifting alliances work out in season two as well. For sure. Uh, do you have anything else to say about Frank's storyline? Uh, just that uh, this is the first time, I think, in the whole season that we've seen Frank com- kind of outmatched. Um, everything that he tried he didn't get a lot of traction with the entire episode. Like, he tried to get Remy uh, to be impressed with the fact that uh, this pro-nuke guy is going to try to muscle you out of business and move things away from natural gas. That didn't really work. He actually took a huge gamble that didn't pay off by going down to Atlanta and meeting with the uh, CEO of Sandcorp directly, which just seemed to piss the guy (laughs) off. Sure. Um, He ended up just getting, you know... Uh, completely defanged by the end of the episode as Trask, you know, told him, uh, yep, I've, I've got your gun and it's unloaded and I'm also eating in your seat in your barbecue spot, mm-hmm. which, um, that seemed like that's, that might be the biggest betrayal of the season. <laughs> uh-huh. Worse. Damn you, Freddie. Yeah. Worse than Stamper <laughs> taking his sponsor or sponsoree, uh, and deliberately if, making him fall off the wagon and worse than Frank killing him, <laughs> giving up the rib place, man. That's just low. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and then having Freddie call to to lure him over there. That's yeah. even worse. What do you think is going on? The, let's talk about Claire's plotline for a minute here. Okay. So the Claire baby thing has culminated in this. Jillian yeah. is lying about the uh, nature of her termination of employment with cl- the Clearwater Initiative. 
and um, when she went to go meet with Jillian and Jillian confronted her about it, she I grabbed her hand and put it right on her belly and say, feel this kicking? And it's like, uh, you know, throwing a bucket of water on the Wicked Witch. She, like, <laughs> recoiled in, in horror. And then we see her at a gynecologist's office wanting to know if she could get pregnant. She's mm-hmm. asking uh, Frank what all the, what the, all this means. Who are we building this for? By the way, what the gynecologist said to Claire about uh, having abortions and making it more difficult, I was like, huh? So I actually did some research. That turns out to be pure bullshit. Really? I'm very surprised this show, uh, it, it seems like a, it, it, I don't know, it, it's, it's, it seems, it, it's a little bit of moralizing that kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Because it's one thing to moralize, but it's another thing to give bad information to make it seem like, well, you're a bad person. You had three abortions. This is your penance. Yeah. Um, Especially from an official person like a doctor. Um, Where is this? And then then she has the dream where she's having a – she's playing with Pete's kids, and one of them gets swallowed by Vine and ripped in half. Mm -hmm. Where the hell is this plot line going? Oh, man. I don't really know. It seems like her – her um, connection with Adam that she's had over this season has kind of brought the idea of having a child back to her attention, right? I mean, am really? I reading that wrong? Yeah, because I don't think Adam was big on having kids either when he's running around the world getting... No, uh, he's not. But I, I think she's just seeing that Frank's not going to give her that, right? Well, yeah, he's not. it's not like he's lied about it. <laughs> yeah, and he's I mean he's not in the doctor's office with her, so obviously she's doing this covertly on the sly, yeah. Yeah. Um I I, I don't know. I feel like her meeting with Adam and just like the kind of passion that they had maybe rewoke some of that in her. Do you think that I mean because one of the things that evolved, they had this they had this open relationship and not just in terms of the bedroom. They had this completely open and honest relationship. Mm-hmm. By the end of the season, Claire is keeping things from Frank, but Frank is keeping big things from Claire, like the fact that he murdered a guy. Sure. Um, do you think that by the end of season two, their relationship will be dissolved? That's an interesting question. I don't know if I could say that it would be totally dissolved. And I'm not saying in the I'm, and let's put aside the legal definition. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. not saying to get divorced. I'm saying. They hate each other, basically. Their mutual support, their love, all that, you know. And then there's no real passion, but I do feel like there is love and respect that that's going to yeah. disappear by the end of the, the season. I, I could maybe see that happening. I, I think certainly they're going to have to deal with a lot of the secrets that they have been keeping in season two. Right. So that will lead where it leads, and I think you're right. It could lead to the dissolution of their relationship. Um, what did you think about Zoe and Frank and or not Frank Zoe and Lucas and Janine's investigation into the Russo affair? Did that feel was that interesting to you? Did that feel like good journalism? Um, uh, well, yeah, I mean, so I liked it up to a point. Um, the stuff at the beginning where they're kind of you know fact gathering and trying to uh, just find out things about his arrest, like um, they find out that Rachel was there. That that stuff all made a whole lot of sense. Once they get to the very end, where they're all standing around in a room and they're throwing out what are definitely valid reasons 
that Rousseau would be running and valid reasons for, for the different things he did. Zoe is just standing there, hand to chin, shooting them all down, left and right, mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. we zone in on the one that the audience, of course, knows is right. But but there's no there's no real cause for her to shoot down those other options, right? Except they're plausible that don't that doesn't make Frank look like a villain. Exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. No, that I that uh, scene kind of was a little hard for me to swallow too. Okay. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Oh, she does mention though to give them the benefit of the doubt that um when when they say something like kind of like small ball crap, she basically says that's not how Frank thinks. He he thinks bigger. That's true. And so maybe that leads her to the vice presidency, but I it's still a stretch for me. I, I wasn't totally sold on it. Let me ask you this. I don't know a lot about journalist journalistic ethics. We saw Zoe steal confidential employee records. Uh-huh. We saw Lucas pose as a police officer. And all of them lied to their sources in order to manipulate them. Uh, I, I don't know why that kind of also strikes me as being far-fetched, especially Lucas all of a sudden jumping in at both feet and and committing what's most likely a felony. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, like stealing employee records, lying to your sources, whatever. But if he had gotten caught impersonating a police officer, that is some pretty big shit. Yeah. Um, and also, every one of those fucking gambits worked. Like, the very first prostitute he... Uh, pulls this shit with is the uh, knows Rachel and had a friend that ran into her in Georgetown and knows what restaurant she works at. Yeah, sure. I think that's part of the maybe that's part of the a little bit. Everything's a little too pat because it felt like they had to cram about four episodes worth of discovery into one episode. So they didn't have time for dead ends. Yeah, yeah, and I mean dead ends are not super interesting to watch on TV, right? You, you want to see the plot that actually goes somewhere. That's true. Um, so I, but, I don't know how you do that. Maybe you just do something differently, something that is less likely to fail. Yeah, it's it's interesting because they don't have that problem on Frank's side because Frank is the orchestrator. Uh-huh. Whereas on the other end, they're the ones trying to unravel this mystery. So that naturally would have more dead ends and wrong paths and stuff like that. But you're right. It's not really dramatically interesting to watch them just, you know, uh, try we, four or five different <laughs> prostitutes before he gets one the, the right one. Yeah, we already know the story. Why do we want to watch somebody try to figure it out? Right. With, with um, Frank, he's writing the story, so that's interesting. It also seems characterless. Uh, it also, I thought it was pretty sloppy of Stamper to pick her up within easy walking distance of his meetup with the reporter. Like, it's completely plausible that Zoe just could have followed her to the end of that building and laid eyes on Stamper's vehicle and grabbed her plates. I don't even think Lucas needed to be there. Sure. Uh, I'm with you. I was kind of surprised when I saw that Stamper drove over there. That seems like a bad move. Yeah. Can we go back real quick to Claire and Jillian? Yeah, go for it. Okay, because I I don't know who to root for here in this battle. Because the, when we first see Claire, she is kind of, you know, portrayed as this horrible person who's firing all these people and maybe potentially fired Evelyn for the exact reason that Jillian says, um, just because she didn't agree with her. 
I that's do a not perfectly, like. That's a perfectly valid reason to fire someone. It seems like. I I mean, when you're the head of the company, I guess you could fire him for whatever reason you want that isn't yeah. illegal. You know. Yeah. Uh, disagreeing with someone and getting fired is perfectly valid. Right. Um. So, I really don't like how Jillian handles this, though. I mean, she does not solve anything by lying about what Claire said and why she was fired and what does she gain out of it is she trying to take down Claire's organization completely because so. that's not going to happen I, well well I don't know it's entirely possible that uh, a high profile case like that could take down her organization and have her donors fleeing for the hills and hmm. and then that's kind of I think she's a little naive that there won't be uh, that that doing exposing this once is going to make it go away. But her point is like your corporations or your your environmental groups that take corporate money and do corporate bidding get all of the money and they they starve the people us who are trying to actually do it for the right reasons out. Mm-hmm. And why I say she's naive is I think that you need big big money and big corporate sponsors to make a difference. And sometimes that means strange bedfellows, but you know, like, are you going to turn down Bill Gates, uh, Microsoft money that was built on a lot of unsavory business practices and, um, a a lot of monopoly bullshit, uh, when he's wanting to dig ditches in Africa. I, 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 so that, that makes perfect sense. I mean, you do need big money to do big things, right? Right. And the fact that I also think Jillian, um, you know, when you're, when your boss gives you a direct order, that's not illegal, Mm -hmm. you can either quit or you can, uh, argue your case and change their mind or you can fucking do it. The option of just going behind their back and doing whatever the hell you want to do anyway is not really an option. So I, yeah. it's weird to be on Claire's side, um, but I feel like that I I am. But I, the the other thing is I don't understand. I, I still don't understand Claire's motivation for doing all this. Like, why is she so passionate about clean drinking water in Africa? I don't think it's just to help Africans. I absolutely don't. There's got to be some larger agenda, and I haven't figured it out yet. Okay. That's I, why I, I, I can't fully put my support behind the Claire wagon. Well, the reason I'm – so I'm I'm not fully on board with Claire, but I'm not – I'm probably less on board with Jillian just because of the way she approaches. I mean it's pretty ridiculous to use your unborn child as a pawn in this lawsuit to – try to get your way after disobeying a direct order from your superior, right? Right. I mean, that's a pretty sick thing to do. And I just can't get behind her for doing that. But she's using her to get ahead, just like Claire used Evelyn, for example, to fire a bunch of people and keep her hands clean and, you know... I guess I'm saying I don't like either of these women at this point. (laughs) I guess. So, but who would you think... I mean, who's fighting on the more pure side? Uh, that's a tough question, and I think it's meant to be. Yeah. I think that's how they frame it in this episode. Right. Because, you know, the other thing that is is a mind fuck is that Jillian wouldn't be able to do the stuff that she did at the scale that she did without Claire's corporate money. 
Yeah. So yeah. she wanted all the benefits of having that corporate money and none of her drawbacks. Yeah, the the only real uh, excuse I guess she could give is that she feels betrayed. She thinks that Claire had promised her this carte blanche sort of thing where she could literally do anything she wanted and she would never be restrained in any way. And that is certainly not what Claire did or even could offer her, right? Yeah, I mean, the the only thing I guess Claire could have done differently is gone to Jillian and said, look, do you want your water filters? Mm -hmm. This is what it's going to take. We're going to have to get in bed with Sandcorp, and they're going to want me to do a couple things that I don't want to do, and you're going to have to do a couple things that you don't want to do, namely – do some promotional advertising and and say that they're environmentally friendly. Um, by not bringing her into that conversation, I, I and I, I it's, it'd be interesting to see what Jillian actually would have done, you know, because um, I don't understand what the big deal is. Like BP all the time has a bunch of fucking green commercials. I haven't forgotten <laughs> the fact that they fucked up the Gulf. Yeah, no kidding. But that doesn't take away from the fact that they also do good work. I mean, you have to. I, I think most thinking people. Uh, kind of, we're all media savvy and ad friendly at this stage. I, I don't, I mean, to me, if I was a think tank or an environmental group, I would want to take as much advantage of corporations as I possibly could. Sure. And it is very difficult to find an issue that is black and white in this world. Right. Everything is gr- some shade of gray and that you just can't avoid that. Right. And what is she wanting to do? She's, She's wanting to keep Sandcorp from putting the CWI stamp on some advertising. Does she really think that that's going to stop na- them drilling for natural gas? <laughs> like that's going to br- that's yeah. going to bring down the empire. Uh, she's all about bringing down empires, apparently. Like if if the Gulf of Mexico is not going to do it, you know, it's it's like the blackfish thing. Everyone kind of sort of knew in probably their gut that keeping a killer whale in a small pool is kind of, is bullshit and, and not humane. But until you see a movie like Blackfish that like an hour and a half concentration and beats you in the head about it, nothing really changes. And by the way, SeaWorld this whole year posted record profits. So it's not <laughs> like they're hurting other than just being embarrassed. I mean, people are still going to the fucking parks. So... Yeah. And my and, and and I'm a pragmatic bastard, I admit that. So my outlook is if I know this shit is not going to matter anyway, try to do as much good as I poss- possibly can because else Sandcorp is going to take whatever million dollars they spent to make that thing happen and they're going to do something to fuck up something with it. I might yeah. as well take that money and do something good with it to kind of like offset the corporate evilness. I don't know. Sure. Uh, so I just want to talk real quickly about one of the thematic things in here, uh, this episode, which is the dripping faucet that yes. we see right at the very beginning. Uh, this is Frank's worry about the VP nomination, right? Uh, yeah, and I also liked the, how they tied it in thematically with uh, uh, Rachel and Z- Zoe's meeting later on that was on a down, you know, torrential downpour. Uh huh. That, okay, so you know, is, this, so is this drip, drip, Russo? this drip, 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 this will not shut up. This will not go away. Uh-huh. Neither will this story that's that's brewing. And it started off as a drip, and he tried to smash it to make it go away, but it it's 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 not. Now I will be interesting. Maybe maybe Claire will kill Zoe just like she fixed the pipe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, I saw that not only was it just the, the, the faucet metaphor, but I thought it kind of continued all throughout the episode. And it was interesting yeah. how it was fixed by the episode end, even though we know the things it's like, uh, I don't know. It's like a false peace of mind. Like it, well, I expect Frank, it, it, the scene where it's fixed is right after Frank gets the VP uh, nod from the president. Yeah, but this house is built on quicksand, man. Uh huh. Like I, if that was the, if, if if it was a if that theme was to carry through, I feel like we need to get a cutaway to the basement where like this pipe is starting to burst open and flooding the you know flooding the yeah. whole basement. Well, maybe that's the discussion that Zoe and Lucas and Janine are having at the end, uh, kind of peeling back the layers of Russo. But also, it wasn't the only malfunction he had to deal with. He also broke his rowing machine that he's been yep. using to relieve his stress all season long. So I think that it's not just a, drippy, uh, a dripping faucet and a water metaphor, although there is water. That's that's an authentic uh, hydro paddle oh, rowing machine system. That's right. <laughs> Um, it's just like everything in his life is kind of breaking down um, yeah, right the, here at this moment of triumph. The scene when he rips the handle off comes right after Claire was describing her dream where she's the kid's climbing the vines and it's like grabbing her and stuff. And, um, yep. and, and, and she rips the kid down from the the thing. And so right before Remy calls the flex on him. Uh-huh. Uh, one thing we haven't talked about is uh, Frank put Meacham over in this episode. He's he's uh, bringing him up to the Secret Service, apparently. Yep. What do you think of that decision? I think that's a good decision. I think Frank wants to have an absolutely loyal soldier uh, working for him, and uh, I wonder what the odds are that uh, Meacham's got to get his hands dirty this next season. Oh, I'd say good. I'd say good. All right. Corpse disposal. How how dirty are we talking? <laughs> Not that dirty. That's what Stamper's for. Okay. <laughs> Um, I think that feels like we've about covered it all, right? Um, yeah, that's it. I mean, we we missed we we missed some things about Rachel, but I don't even know that Rachel's going to be important going forward. Um, she does Zoe, still have information, but yeah, Zoe went and talked to I think is her high school guidance counselor is who I decided it was. Okay, and did her did her father? molest her or beat her or something molest like that or be, there was she doing dr- mentions criminal activity or was doing drugs around her i don't know it's something that that rachel wouldn't testify against her parents for uh and so she decided to run out instead but what's weird is because zoe seemed to want to embarrass her to her father like she's she almost like well i'll have to write about your father and you the fact that you're a stripper and she's like oh no i don't want that to happen um, that doesn't seem like it's consistent with the, a girl who hates her father and was molested by him and wanted to run away. Well, I don't think that's to hurt her father. I think Zoe threatens that because she may not want that part of her life revealed to the general public, you know? Oh, I guess that's true. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be, uh, that'd be an interesting conversation with one's friends. Yeah. Definitely. If all that came out in a newspaper, that would be awful. Yep. Okay, I think that's it. Oh, wait, what? One other thing. Okay, why did Britain go to war with China 150 years ago? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Just know. kidding. It had to do with ribs, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely had to do with ribs. <laughs> um, those spare ribs on a buffet just weren't fucking cutting it. 
If you've enjoyed our show, please help us get our new House of Cards podcast launched in style by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes. You can also support us by using our Amazon affiliate link when you shop online. Just go to amazon.ballmove.com and we'll get a tiny cut of Amazon's profits from whatever you buy on that session. Best of all, it costs you nothing. And be sure to tell your friends, family, and coworkers about Bald Move. Check out our website for all our other great television coverage for Game of Thrones, Mad Men, Walking Dead, Breaking Bad, and Downton Abbey, and all of our great pop culture casts like Personal Arrogance and The Because Show. Keep up with the latest on Twitter at Bald Move and on Facebook.com slash Bald Move. And don't forget to join us on Valentine's Day weekend starting Saturday, February 14th for our coverage of Season 2 of House of Cards. See you next time. Thank you.